Hello, everybody, and welcome into Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM, your exclusive home for F1 on Weagle's Airways. And today, it is our season preview. Now, today, we are with, without our fearless leader, Noah, who is having to do things for the softball game later tonight on Weagle 91.1 FM. But it is Grace Mike, alongside me is Ben McClurk. And Ben, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, excited for F1 to be back um and ready to talk about what's been going on uh in the off season but also ready for the season to kick off and that it will so ben let's start with going into what the kind of things is going on going into the season so red bull coming off back-to-back years being a constructor champion max verstappen three years in a row winning the world drivers championship what's there to say that that can't continue or it can't continue um, a lot of signs have been pointing to that continuing, but my biggest thing is that I think Red Bull has been hiding their true pace and will really show us what they've got as the season starts with qualifying tomorrow. It does. So, uh, yeah, Red Bull appears to be the team to beat once again, uh, Though Mercedes was the fastest in FP1 and FP2 this weekend, um, Red Bull's race pace has yet to be revealed. Well, actually, I say Mercedes was fastest in FP1, but it was actually the RB, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, topping the timing sheets. I remember that I was thinking kind of like Red Bull kind of like trying to sandbag by running Ricciardo low on fuel and then not really showing Max's true potential with Max finishing in sixth in FP1 and then FP2 for the race. Max, I believe he finished sixth again. So double sixes for Max Verstappen. And, I mean, you can't really take much from practice. It's the first one of the season. But with a team that people have a lot of hopes on this year, McLaren, with – I know he probably didn't run many laps, but he did actually. But Lando finishing 20th. What can we take from that into the weekend? Yeah, uh he had a tough run in FP2. I think they were trying to unlock some qualifying uh, performance, but several things got in his way during that session. I don't really think it's that big of a deal with our race outlook. Um, posting a 132 in FP2, that's a whole 2.2 seconds off of Lewis's time, which means, uh, you know, still fairly competitive even though he's not having the the most pace in in the practice sessions um we can see oscar piastri being four tenths off um is a good sign and they were running at different fuel loads lewis was running somewhat light for for the entire session and on two sets of new tires with which he set his fastest laps so, yeah, the Mercedes does look like the team leading the chase behind Red Bull, um, at least the way that I see it right now. So, yeah, what that means for McLaren is they need – they have a little work to catch up, but they're right there with them. Yeah, they're right there with them. And then going into this last little bit, I mean, people thought Mercedes from their car launch, one of the more boring ones that we saw, people called it an open casket funeral. And then then FP2, Lewis Hamilton finishes um, two-tenths of a second ahead of George Russell, and then George Russell finishes um, 28-tenths ahead 
of Fernando Alonso. So is this yeah. McLaren just taking benefit from what Red Bull's doing, or do they actually have a decent car for the first time since 2021? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Mercedes does have a good car. It's not 2021's car, which was clearly the best to begin with. Um, I don't know. It, it's good to see them back in some form of competitiveness. 130 is a good time, uh, especially on light to medium fuel load. It's not a qualifying fuel load, but it's a pretty, pretty close to that. Um, they were kind of checking on their hot lap pace, but not their qualifying pace. So if they need to push at the end of a stint or the end of a race, they know that they have that potential. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think that Mercedes does have the potential to make some charges, uh, especially after being winless for what is it like 48, 44 races, something so like last that. Race win was Brazil with George in 22. Yeah. So, I mean, they haven't been able to stop Red Bull since then. That that race was a bit of a an interesting one for sure. But um, yeah, my thoughts on is Mercedes back? Um, that remains to be seen. I think they're they're a, they're second and they're leading the pack, chasing Red Bull. But I think this first race is Red Bull's race to lose, not Mercedes's race to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this season. I think it'll be an interesting one. So let's talk a little bit about our season predictions. So we'll start off with what we normally do. Ben, who's a team do you think that will surprise people this year? Yeah, um, I would say expect to be surprised by the RB team. Uh, they appear to be much more competitive than they were last year. I'm going to, sorry, I got to get around this question with, Two answers. Um, I expect to see Williams have uh, a a climb back into the competitive midfield, not necessarily being at the back of the pack anymore. Um, And you know what? I will say the Haas has been nicer to its tires than it was last year. Does it have the qualifying pace? That remains to be seen. But it's good to see Williams 11th and 13th on their light runs. And again, uh, one and a third sec or uh, 1.3 seconds off which is basically one and a third off of uh the top time from their slowest car is very very impressive for williams so i guess really i've got three williams rb and uh who was the other one who did i say Griggs? i can't remember you said rb and williams yeah, so those two, those two, not those three. I, I like to do three points for concision if I've got if I've got them. But those two teams look to have figured out some of their weaknesses. Um, yeah, the Williams maybe is going to be less competitive at certain tracks than others. It seems to be a very peaky car, but um, Bahrain is definitely suited to their platform. What about you? I was going to go with the RBs, even though they did have a good testing, a good first couple of days of practice. I was thinking about them. I mean, you have Daniel Ricciardo, who's obviously a race winner, and then Yuki, who kind of turned it on last year where people were thinking he was going to be a number two to Nick, and then he stuck around. And then when Danny came in, people were wondering if Daniel was going to get a spot. They were going to bring in someone in for Yuki. So he signs another one-year yeah. deal. So I think he's got something to prove, and he's got a little bit of fire in him. I think Daniel yeah. also has – 
something different, but at the same time, the same something to prove. So I was going to go with RB, uh, Visa Cash App, Racing Bulls, whatever the team name is now, or will be in a week. Yeah. You know, I'm interested to see what they would do because, in I mean, in the past, they've in the past couple of years, they've not really done much. I mean, last year, would you say that was the worst, one of the worst cars on the grid? Uh, yes, it was, it was definitely up there. If not the worst car on the grid, that thing was a dog to drive. And, you know, even in a car that was not as competitive, Yuki destroyed, um, Nick DeVries in a head to head battle nine times out of 10. Um, and I think that says something to Yuki's ability. Uh, it's, it's strange to see, RB evolving not into a junior team, but into a team that's trying to be a part of the competitive midfield. Um, even as they they move forward, I don't really see much direction for them, if that makes sense. What I see is a lot of um, evolution and hopefully, a, maybe, fingers crossed, maybe a sale to... Um, a constructor looking to enter F1 such as Andretti. But it, right now they lack a real identity, but that shouldn't that shouldn't be too concerning for this first race because their pace is quite promising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Noah and what he sent us, he also had Williams as his surprise team and I'm going to start out with Noah's disappointment team and see what we have to think about this one. He thinks yeah. Haas will be the most disappointing team on well, the this year. They certainly will be the worst. Um, I feel like the grid's kind of been established from last year, but the team that's going to fall the farthest for me is going to be um, Alpine. Alpine does not look good. They're, yeah, no, Alpine was going to be my answer too. Yeah. Well, you can, you can explain your reasoning, but yeah. my reason is... Um, they are a full-on constructor that is way behind in virtually every way. Yeah, no, they were very low down on the FP2 results, and then in FP1, same thing, 17th, 18th FP1, just along with Haas. So, and from everything I've seen online, people are like, everyone's saying this Alpine car is going to be by far the worst car on the field this year. It's not great, especially when you have two experienced drivers in Esteban and Pierre, and they just can't kind of get it right, especially in the Alpine, where they've been semi-consistent these past couple of years. They've gotten some – I mean, Pierre got a podium in Monaco last year. So I don't think it's just not going to be good. I've been someone who's been high on Alpine in the past. I just don't think this team is going to be that successful this year. Probably finish around sixth, maybe even seventh. Yeah, I – I could see them falling as far as eighth. Um, and the first few races, you know, we've got um, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Japan, China, question mark, Miami, and Imola. Those first seven or so races are really going to show what Alpine's going to look like. Um, and then Imola obviously kicking off the summer break. Um, we'll know where they're at by the by the summer break, and if they come back with uh, upgrades by 
Canada that they say they worked on before the break. It and it still is just a downward spiral. I I really don't know what to do with the team at that point. Um they they just seem to be in a between a rock and a hard place, really, because they tell all this new leadership like it's their hope for for years to come and then I don't know. I just I don't see things going well for them the the first seven races or so. Yeah, I just not gonna be good. Then Haas, just again, we said earlier, just not gonna be a good competitive team this year. They fire their boss really close to the start. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens from there. But that yeah. may that may not necessarily be the worst thing that they got rid of Steiner. Steiner was not involved in the technical side of the team. And I want I, I hate to go on a tangent, but actually no, I don't. I love that. <laughs> but <laughs> on a tangent here, um Haas firing Steiner may have some benefits. I don't think the reasoning behind it is um, what the benefits are, but I I think the reason they got rid of Steiner is because they disagreed over financials. But I think that a benefit of it is that their technical technical director is now in charge of running the team and not just a quote-unquote team principal who, I mean, as far as I know, was not involved in the engineering and the two departments being in Italy and Britain um, weren't really being effectively led. Mm-hmm. That's that's my take on it. I liked Steiner, and he brought in money for the team. But, you know, he really wasn't involved in the technical side of the development. Yeah. All right, let's switch it to a lighter note. Ben, what race are you most looking forward to this year? Um, as always, I'm looking forward to the classic circuits, Japan, Imola, Canada, um, Austria. Honestly, there's so many. I think I'm most looking forward to Japan, especially with it being so early in the season. Um, that will be kind of nice not to have to deal with, um, being up so late, (laughs) Because I'll have more energy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to Japan. And I'll throw in Belgium in there, of course, because yeah. that's my favorite track. I'm going to go with Japan as well. Then I'm going to go one that's a little bit different. I'm uh, I'm going to go with China because I've never seen a race run at China in my live watching F1 career. I've seen some of the highlights. So I'm interested yeah. to see what kind of it will look like their first time going back since the pandemic in 2020. So, it's yeah, just, hopefully, it's see what that one looks like. It sounds like everything in it. Last year, I feel like they already canceled it by this point. So, I think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I do hope so. Um, they have the date set and a sponsor, which means there's at least a chance. <laughs> we'll see. But um, I'm excited for China as well. And then, good track. And then Noah's got Monaco, which it's Monaco classic what can you say yeah maybe maybe charles will break the monaco curse maybe, of his maybe probably not though he probably thinks that it can though um, yeah he does let's do to what we do for normal races we'll do a normal and crazy prediction so the normal prediction for the season noah goes red bull driver john which obviously that's bound to happen i think especially with max 
they're still under contract. What's going to happen with Sergio Perez? What's going to happen with other drivers in there with that coveted Red Bull speed seat, especially if Red Bull continues the dominance they've had these past couple of years? Yeah. Uh, I second that. <laughs> Simple enough. Um, I think Zach Brown's going to get fired. Really? I mean, that's. It could be a take. I mean, because like he's not the. Keep in mind, he's not the team principal. And never mind. That's right. I, I show him so much where he acts like he is, but never mind yep. that. Um, I think we're gonna have another shocking driver announcement. I think before the summer break. So I think a really Ooh. big. I don't know who, but I think there will be at least one shocking like driver announcement. Like I can't believe he's going there even before we hit like the traditional summer break driver's market happens thing. Man, that, that is a big surprise. Um, no, it's not. I think, I think it being before the summer break is a bit of a shocker for me. I think silly season's really going to kick off like during that ML or race weekend. Um, I think we're going to get some, get some big news during Imola. Um, but let's see, drama points, right? Mm-hmm. Is the um, hmm. I think I think the relationship between Lewis and Mercedes, if the results aren't there, is going to sour very quickly. Got you. And I think that Lewis moving to Ferrari next season this is a bit of a two twofold prediction but i think lewis moving to ferrari next season is going to be a very big change in environment um lewis has kind of been been the top dog for 12 years 10 years in his team and now there may be some change there mm-hmm. all right and then a crazy prediction noah has PR no-no occurs. So something crazy will go off in the world of public relations for Formula One. I mean, nothing going on right now like that, right? But we don't have to talk about yeah. that. <laughs> but Ben. There, there, there are lots of things going on, but lots of things that we don't necessarily find ourselves getting involved in as purely academic and unbiased journalists. Yes. So Ben, what is your crazy yes. prediction for the year? Um... I expect Lando Norris to get his first race with this season. Whoa. You know what? I'm going to give something even crazier that. I'm going to think Oscar is going to win before Lando. I don't think so. Uh, not mean, so fast, my look, friend. Look at, not so fast, I mean, my think friend. About it, look at some of the situations that were happening last year where Oscar was getting some of those podiums where Lando was finishing like fifth or sixth. Like, he finds himself in yeah. this good situations and i feel like that good luck can kind of carry over in the season i think that can continue especially with yeah they don't know what's going to happen with lando they've locked him down but who knows if red bull comes calling what do you think he's going to say yes no lando Mm -hmm. i mean it that's tough to say because especially if he's not one you pick especially if he's not won a race yet it's hard to say it really is do you pick a team where you're clearly going in to be the number two driver and but you can win potentially stuff. potentially losing your spot in charge of a team that's on the up um 
when all the only place Red Bull has to go is down. That's true. I don't know. I mean, if I was if I was Lando, I would jump at the chance to get get to Red Bull and and be in a team that, at least on record, is consistently scoring podiums and wins, and gives him the best shot. But politics would come into play, um, undoubtedly, and I think that will be his biggest reason to stay. So. I don't know. Also, on on Oscar winning before, I, I Lando's biggest weakness is that he is. Um, how do I say this? He's not great under excess amounts of pressure. You're under immense amounts of pressure as an F1 driver, regardless. But when when Lando has had the chance to win, he's gotten messed over by team strategy. Um, when he is in the place, in the position to make those calls himself. They stayed out in um, Russia 2020, 2020, in Russia in 2020, and that seriously cost him. And, you know, that's not all his call, but I think I think Lando is a much more experienced driver. Who's going to be the better driver remains to be seen this season. But I think Lando is in a better position to get his first race win than Oscar is. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. Let's wrap up our season talk with Ben. Give me your constructor and driver champion. Uh, I think you know. Um, I I've said I this. I think it's gonna be mine as well. <laughs> I've said this the past two seasons. Red Bull's not gonna get beaten, and I mean, as a whole, they haven't. And I'm gonna keep keep on with that theme. Um. Their average lap times are significantly higher than the other guys. Uh, so I have Red Bull winning the constructors and Verstappen winning the drivers. No surprise there. No surprise there, but you know Noah. Noah's going with Charles and Ferrari, both to win the championships. But it's Noah. What can we expect? Of course, it's going to say Ferrari. Yeah. But yeah. enough of season talk. Let's get into our first race preview, weekend preview of the year. And we're talking about Bahrain. So the Bahrain International Circuit for the, what's the official title name? The Formula One Gulf Air Bahrain Grand Prix 2024 at the Bahrain International Circuit. It is a 5.41 kilometer track, 57 laps with a total race distance of 308.238 kilometers. Lap record held by Pedro de la Rosa back in 2005, 1 minute 31 seconds, 0.447 with we have trying to see 15 turns with two DRS zones, one from turn three to turn four, and then one from turn 10 to one. Oh, sorry, three DRS zones, 10 up to 11, and then from 15 all the way down one, making up the front straight of Bahrain. So, Ben, Bahrain. Yes. High deg. Very. High deg track. Um, it's, it is really, really become one of my favorite tracks on the Middle Eastern uh, wing of the Formula One calendar. Um, it's it's crazy how this is the best Herman Tilke track, but it is. He did a fantastic job with this one. Um, racing can be a little bit boring, um, 
This track wasn't designed for DRS, but it has lots of long straights, so that is a plus. Man, what what is there to look for? Um, I think I think setup is going to be tough. Um, they've been here for two weeks now, and whoever gets the best setup is going to have the best shot at winning. Um, whoever gets the most. And obviously, you know, car is just as important as setup, but setup is going to be crucial to their success, especially with how tight the midfield is. Um, I think McLaren's going to be leading the charge behind Mercedes. Behind Red Bull, I guess they're not really leading anything, but yeah, um, I think McLaren's going to be fairly competitive uh, based on their long run pace. So, yes, sorry, not to get into too many predictions, um, but yes, we have three DRS section. Yes, three DRS sections, um, a astounding 15 corners, which is not many um, by F1 standards, but uh, places to look for, um, turn 10, is a very, very, very tight corner, low speed, uh, speeds around 65, 70 miles an hour. Um, you're down in second gear if you're taking it taking it in second, but you can also be in first. Getting a good exit is very important, maximizing that short DRS straight to get you a good run at the guy you're trying to overtake into turn 11. Um, the main straight is going to be where we see most of the passing. Unfortunately, that's just how DRS is. Mm-hmm. Um, I fully expect to see the Red Bulls getting whatever passes they need to done by the start finish line um, with their DRS advantage being so strong from last year um, and their new aerodynamic concept being so frightening this year. It just doesn't seem like they have they have any reason to worry about passing in a corner. So they will be waiting to get to the straights as will most teams. But I think my main thing here with this track is like talking about what it looks like from turn eight to turn, uh, turn 11, really. You're basically doing like a full 180 in the span of not even that far at all. Just kind of how you accelerate out of that. I think we see, and yeah. especially into a DRS zone where you're at turn eight going out to turn nine, then turn 10, you kind of whipping all the way back around in a very, short amount of time in an F1 turn standard. So yeah. I think that's one thing I'm looking forward to. And then also just really, again, it's the first race of the season. This is a great thing to see because a lot of these teams won't have test uh, upgrades until at least Amelon or Barcelona. Or Barcelona. So it'll be good to see mm-hmm. what we're stuck with for the first, what, eight, nine, ten races of the year. Yeah, it should be like six or six, seven. Yeah, yeah. Or eight or nine or ten, honestly. Yeah, I didn't and what could be canceled um, again? Probably not. Hopefully not. Uh, I doubt there will be historic 100-year floods again, but you never know. I think, yeah, this is, yes, that's sector two is crucial to the rest of your lap. Um, If you miss out on sector two, sector three becomes increasingly difficult to catch up until you get to that DRS zone. But if you mess it up again, the cycle repeats. So chasing, chasing a car behind or chasing a car ahead is, um, it's important to stay close, but not too close. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's get into our race predictions. We'll start like we normally do. Ben, who's getting pole for the Bahrain Grand Prix? Uh, I think at this point, pole position belongs to Max Verstappen. Um, no surprises there, but yeah, they're just so far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what else to say. So that means it is a uh, <clears throat> smop unanimous pick. Both me and Noah are going with Max. And then for a normal position, Noah is going with Aston Martin, double points. Aston Martin, double points. Um, ooh, that's okay. I expect to see McLaren finishing fifth and eighth, maybe seventh. Mm. But they will be they will be chasing. I'm gonna go with one of the big six drivers, Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari, does not finish in the points. Hmm. At least one of them does not finish in the points. Who will be? We'll due to out. due to DNF or accident or what? DNF or just not good car. We'll see. Okay. And then for the crazy prediction, this is a pretty crazy one, even for Noah. He's going with Williams double points. Wow. That is pretty crazy. Um, I would not be too shocked by that, but also that's, man, that is a take. Wow. Can I don't I... even know how to follow that up. How do you want me to go? Yeah, you go while I while I ruminate. I think that Fernando will get a top four. Hmm. I think he's got it in him. It's like uh, it's hard it's hard to do anything crazy after what Noah said. I everything I yeah. anything I say is gonna be deemed not as crazy, but Right. Hmm. What do I even? I think we see a double RB top 10. Two RBs in the points. Ooh. That's an yeah. interesting one. I like that, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad. That is a good one. And now, of course, it is time for our predictions. So, Ben, give me your podium for this weekend's race. Um, it's on a Saturday. Saturday race. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm excited for it to be on a Saturday. Um, my podium is going to be Verstappen, Perez, and Piastri. I like that. It's a good one. Noah is going to go with Lewis P3, Max P2, Charles P1. So, of course he is. Makes sense. So, for me, P3, Lando Norris. Okay. P2, Checo Perez, P1, Max Verstappen. So, basically the same thing as you, but switching the McLaren. Oh, man. Yeah. And then Noah, of course, being the intellectual mastermind that he is. <laughs> with. Right, with he's got pure Ferrari syndrome right now, and we're just yeah he and does, we, and we've not even said lights out yet. 
the hope is strong with this one. Um, no surprise there. I think that could be that could be completely right or just dead wrong. We'll see. We'll see. But with that, that's going to end our little virtual show that we had to do this week. If you missed any today's show, you can check it out on your favorite podcast platforms a little bit later. We won't be here next week because of spring break. Let me check the week after make sure we don't have to stop, but we won't. So February 15th, we will be back in the Bradley Basin studio in person talking about uh, following up two race recaps. We'll be talking about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and the Bahrain Grand Prix. So that'll be mm. a fun one, which probably Max will win both by a combined six seconds. Or probably more. But until next I time. I combined of 12 seconds. Yes. But until next time, for No Phillips, who is in the another studio, for Ben McClurkin, I'm Greg Splankerberg. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. We thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everyone. And War Eagle.